Let's start off episode seven of Utah in the Weeds. This is actually take two of episode seven because I forgot to hit the record button the first time around. I'm glad you're taking a little responsibility there, Chris, but I'm excited to do episode seven, take two, because it started out really good. I know. I saw the disappointment in your face. I uh, blew your mind, guys, didn't I? Not, I've got notes here. <laughs> now I can ask the questions before she even says it. This is great. So uh, I'm Tim Pickett, one of the hosts of uh, Utah in the Weeds, episode seven. We're kind of getting on a schedule here, which is really great. Uh, my other project is utahmarijuana.org. And you can find all of the episodes of Utah in the Weeds at utahintheweeds.com as well as transcriptions of those at utahmarijuana.org. As well as other information about uh, marijuana in Utah. Oh, you can find out all kinds of stuff about marijuana in Utah, how to get your card, who go, who to go see. We're going to pump out some more content. Um, yeah, we're, we're building that site up. And then for everybody else, go check out my other project, I Am Salt Lake Podcast, IamSaltLake.com. Uh, I'm Chris Hollifield, by the way. I've uh, been doing that podcast for quite a few years. There's a lot of episodes there. A lot of uh, Tim was on the podcast, a lot of good uh, cannabis-related podcasts even there. Uh, but I figured, why not start this one, right, and, and spread the good love of, of cannabis in Utah. We have uh, Mindy, or not Mindy, gosh, Desiree on the phone. I told you it is it has been a long day. Hi guys. You've had too too many quarantinis. Quarantinis, yeah, too much day. That's right. Quarantini. <laughs> anyway, uh Desiree is a uh, medical cannabis patient which I love talking with because they always have so much good information on uh well, information on how, kind of how they transitioned uh to, you know, getting off pills or whatever it is and then you know, using cannabis as medicine and, and you have quite a story. I'll start off. I mean, let's, I I mean, <laughs> you started using our first time around. You mentioned you, you've been using for not using, I hate to use that word using. Consu well, you're talking about marijuana, right? Yeah. It, it cons consuming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, smoking or consuming uh, <laughs> cannabis for quite a few years. So it's, you're not new to the game, but you're recent new to the medicine game. I am. So this is, you know, as most people, I think I started my, my career, I guess you would say, with cannabis back in my latter teens, but it didn't become medical for me until just this last year when I really started researching it and, and finding out the benefits. And I was even naive to how beneficial it was until I got on have it. Have you been living in Utah this, uh, your whole life, Desiree? I have. Yeah. And I, we discussed this a little bit on the, the last go around that uh, travel was actually what kind of opened my, eye, my eyes up to the cannabis industry because I do do a lot of traveling and uh, getting out to California and going to Nevada and so many areas that was recreational and just being able to partake in that. And it almost became kind of a little confer of it. You know, you want the, you want that uh, chocolate covered coffee bean, but you also want to try the tea. It's going to help you sleep and you know, and then you start learning the, the details of what's in it and how it can help you. And it becomes, it becomes almost, um, it, it's a beautiful relationship. It becomes very promising. And then when you, when you do get the benefits that you feel from it, it's amazing feeling. I guess we should get into a little bit of your history, kind of what led you up to using cannabis, uh, as medicine. Cause you were, we kind of got yeah. into it the first time around of, uh, some of the pain you were in and whatnot. Yeah. And I can just walk through that again. Well, I'd like to, because that early, yeah, the early two thousands for you were, uh, seemed like you were headed down a, a path that was going to lead you into a dark place. 
you know, it did lead me into a dark place. Uh, it led me into a very dark place. And actually the way that I came out of that was cannabis. So, um, you know, like, again, with what we were talking about, my, my relationship with drugs was not extensive. When I was younger, um, there was like the typical teenage stuff, parties with alcohol and things like that, but I wasn't, I wouldn't consider myself an addict at that point. That came in at a little bit later portion in my life. Not that much later. I was still in my 20s. Um, but I started having a lot of health problems. And I had some unhealed traumas. And even, I mean, just not to go too much detail, because um, it's a totally different topic, but some sexual assaults and things like that, that led to a variety of different symptoms that I was dealing with. And these ranged everything from um, depression, anxiety, PTSD, insomnia. And then we move into the chronic pain, which comes from variety of different injuries just from being wild and fun and enjoying the outdoors here in this beautiful state that we live in to illnesses that we're not we're not really 100% sure on what they are at this point. There was uh, initial belief that it was fibromyalgia, which is people that have that illness. It's a very hard one to have because people just don't believe that you're sick, but you hurt and you're tired and it's just, you can't remember things. Um, and it's not a pleasant illness, but then things kind of progressed from that for me and I was running into issues with not being able to control my extremities and my bowels and my bladder and got progressed to neurologist and this was over the course of several years um, during this time I, I was unable to I, I didn't have a bachelor's degree I worked in medicine um, and I wasn't able to work anymore I was I was kind of bedridden and so you know I'm seeing these doctors the notes start compiling I apply for social security disability and, you know, after looking at everything, they come back and say, well, we believe it's MS. So, um, of course, after that label, it was, I mean, I'm not trying to discriminate against any physician by saying this, but the medication came easily. And that's not saying anything negative about the physicians that treated me. They all just did not want to see me hurting. You know, I was so young and my, I had so much ahead of me and, you know, there was a lot of sympathy from them. Um, so anyways, this started a terrible cycle because... Then I'm medicating each different symptom. I'm depressed, I want stimulants. I have the pain, I want opiates. I can't sleep, I have anxiety, I want depressants. And the way that those kind of medications work when you take them, and anybody that's been on them knows this, you don't just take those regularly and, and maintain or get better. Usually you see things start to get worse, and that's what happened with me. And I think a lot of that has to do with tolerance that goes with these medications, you know, worsening the sight of, of your initial symptoms. There's several mountains of side effects that come and then you get into the situation where I was in where well you're on this many meds but you're having these side effects and now we have these meds now those are giving you side effects so we give you this well that's not working anymore let's give you a stronger one again this is nothing against my physician this is just the way that kind of treatment goes and after a couple of years of that I did I succumbed to the addiction and I'm not just talking addicted to my pills I'm talking full-blown Worst of the worst, what you see in movies, style addiction. It was very, I destroyed everything that I had worked for in my life. I have four children. You know, I was a productive member of society. I bought my first home when I was 18. You know, <laughs> like uh, my life was going somewhere. And through a series of events and, and illnesses and circumstances, some beyond my control and some that I did have control over, I was taken down this really dark and ugly path until about four or five years in, I just had reached my darkest point. And when we were talking earlier, we had talked about, well, have you tried abstinence before medical marijuana from these substances? And the reason we discussed that is because there's such a stigma with it. 
you know, go to NA, NAA and get the regular treatment that you would get. And it's the same thing even with physician care, you know, and that's a whole other topic is you know, dealing with the medical community when you're an addict. Um, but for me, I started traveling about two years ago and seeing a little bit more of, um, and that's about when I was doing like one of my stints of okay, I'm clean again. And the only drug I was using, I guess, if you want to call it a drug, at the time was med- was marijuana. At this point, it wasn't medical. It was more, I mean, it was, but it wasn't. I didn't know the details, but it was serving its purpose for me. And I started to see kind of what was out there, and I traveled. And then I started talking to the doctors and saying, look, I really don't want to be on these meds anymore. So I started educating myself. I found out that the indica strains and certain different strains of that will help me sleep, will help me with that anxiety. And, you know, I found out the pain, what strain helps me with pain and what strain going to help me do this and did my research. And those 13 meds have now dwindled down to, I have a Prilosec that I take and I have cannabis that I take and then I have like a stomach, another stomach medication that I take because I have like a digestive issue. That's what I'm down to, off those 13 medications that included sleep medications, anxiety medications, pain medications, psychiatric medications. Just the list goes on. And on top of that, I'm no longer on social security disability. I returned to work. Cannabis kind of helped me ease back into it. Started out part-time, worked up to full-time. And just recently got promoted in January. Um, I also took on a second job. And I, I sold my house, and I have a beautiful apartment in Leighton now. Riding my bike 20 miles a day. I mean, I have kind of that life that I left back 10 years ago. It kind of came back to me, and that's all because of the cannabis industry. And now that Utah's brought that in, it's a beautiful thing because there's so many people that I'm trying to turn on. There's like a 20 year old daughter, but even I know she's young, and I've, but I've even talked to her about it like, hey, this might be something that can help with that chronic insomnia and that chronic um, anxiety that you're dealing with rather than maybe somebody's harsh your mouth. So that's, that's kind of my story. I got a lot of information that I just threw at you. Okay, so <laughs> 10 years ago, you, you're essentially living a fairly normal life uh, with some pain and some, you started to get some health problems. And do you blame, do you in some way blame the medical community for, I mean, do you look at this like maybe they made you into this addict or, or this this system that we live in. Yes and no. There is, I don't, I just don't feel like anybody intentionally did that. I don't feel like anybody was like, hey, this is, we're just going to throw this at you. But I do feel like there's a lack of knowledge. And I feel like, especially, you know, in pain clinics and things like that, doctors take on a heavy load. They have a lot of patients to see. They don't necessarily always remember. And as an addict, I am, if I want to do well, when I go in and see my physician, and be completely honest, they don't prescribe me this, blah, blah, blah. But if I am in that bad place, oh, I'm a manipulator. And so it does go both ways because I, I do have a little bit of like, you guys kind of stole some time from me when maybe we could have figured this out sooner, you know. But the anger doesn't lie in the physicians that treated me. It lies more in, in how slow this rollout of this program has been for people that need it. You know, how long it's taken for states to catch on and say, hey, here's something that can help. And then that comes into my anger with psychic trauma and what I think is behind that. And again, a whole other topic. But I guess 
if I have any anger, it's just in, in the legislation and how slow it's been to get this to the people. But it's pretty them. cool that we have it at all in Utah. That Absolutely. I'm grateful for. Oh my God, it's super I mean, I did not expect Utah <laughs> to have uh, any kind of program this early in the game compared to other states. Oh, I, I feel exactly the same. And I even, this is how, how like, kind of indifferent I was to it. As I'm hearing, oh yeah, Utah voted on this and stuff. It wasn't in my head that that could actually happen the next year. I'm like, oh, that's way out there. That's Utah. You know, and so here I am still taking my letter out of state. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, it was like five days after the, the EBS system opened up to a five-year card that I was like, oh. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's really funny. I have, uh, I do have patients who, you know, they'll they'll come and even see me and they'll uh, they'll say at the end of the visit, okay, well, you know, so where do I go? Because now that I have this, uh, now that I have this letter or now that I have this card, you know, are there any dispensaries even open in Utah? Uh, there's still a lack of... Uh, they don't even believe it. Yeah, people don't like, know. Oh yeah, State Street? No way. I know it's crazy, and like the first, even me, the first time I went down to Dragonfly, I was like, "This is this is crazy. This is Utah." <laughs> I will say though, um, as excited as I am to see this program roll out in Utah, some of the most of the products that I use, we are not carrying in the state yet, so I still have to go out of state. Um, primarily because my two forms that I've been relying on. Mostly, I'm actually trying to change this a little bit, but it's been mostly edibles and dabs. The dab is the one I'm trying to change because it's such a high dose, high concentration way of delivering it that I my tolerance is just skyrocketed. So, it's my understanding the um, you're gonna, you, you, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with the dabs that'll come on the market. I, I know of some that they were pressing some hash into rosin uh, last week uh, here, right in Utah. Some some very, very good. Really? Yeah. This is not something you're going to have to wait too long. Oh, that's uh, nice There's a to very, hear. very good grower. That's awesome. And I have seen a few edibles pop up at, at Dragonfly. The problem with those is either they, I, I, I don't have a lot of experience with adding CBD to it. And a lot of those edibles are like a one-to-one or a one-to-four. Or they just run out of them. You either get them in and you get down right. there and they stay and they're gone. But I haven't seen any that. I'm excited about that. Have you been up to the uh, pharmacy dispensary in Logan or uh, Dragonfly the only one you've been to? Dragonfly is the only one in Utah. Um, I didn't venture up into Logan, again, just because they mostly just have a flower and cart. But I do I do enjoy those things as well. And I actually did get me a, a, a cart that I got at Dragonfly that I do really like. And it is a four-to-one CBD because I had gone in there and told the pharmacist, look, I'm having some nausea. And you know, one of the things that was supposed to help me was nausea, and now I think it's actually causing it. And that was a good addition, CBD cart from Dragonfly. Yeah, I think the nausea, the inhaled versions uh, uh, seem to act faster, for sure, than the than the edibles for nausea, but for most people anyway. Yeah. So tell us how, I mean, you took 13, literally 13 medications and broke it down to now three? Like, what, what, what did that funny. process look like? When did you start... When you started, it was about a year ago, you said, or maybe a little bit more than that, where you were just starting researching about cannabis. And and how did that process look, the transition from all those meds to just this? You know, you get to like the deepest, darkest world. And when I tell you that those meds can take you there, I mean it because some of those meds, they have withdrawals very similar to uh, narcotic meds. And I'm talking non-narcotic meds, like psychiatric meds, antipsychotics, and um, you know, things like that, um, that 
And, and mind you, too, as I'm going through this prescription process, you're dealing with somebody who is in active addiction, and you are, you are prescribing these medications that are holding the addiction. And then you change the medication, behavior gets erratic, so then you add another medication because you're like, okay, she's, she's got this psychiatric problem, too, now. And that's kind of what it felt like happened. And I became victim mode. I became where I was like, okay, I'm sick and just kind of just fixed me. I had that mentality. So I reached this really, really dark low. And I went on another one of those ventures where I was like, okay, I'm going sober. I'm not doing this anymore. I would rather hurt. And then it's that whole process when your head is clear and you don't have all those narcotic medications anymore. You start realizing the things that you, you haven't been working on, you haven't been addressing, you know, the physical things that I could do. You know, I've done physical therapy almost 20 times in the last 10 years. There are plenty of things that I could be doing to kind of help myself, diet, um, exercise, you know, as far as some of the other issues go, like insomnia, you know, good sleep hygiene, like just things, dealing with those traumas. Facing them, not just numbing them with the medications, and all of that opened up to me when my head was clear. So once I got off all of the, the medication, I kind of I did the withdrawal phase, and I will tell you too, it kind of felt some withdrawal. And I had been in that place a lot of times before. I did have some medical assistance coming off, you know, some harder things um, where we were adding some meds as we took some down, and then titrating those down. And it was a, it was an ugly process that should have probably taken several more years than what it actually did, considering how much medication I was on and how we had to take a one and then start a tape on another. And it was just, it was just ugly. And I couldn't have done it without the cannabis. So I'm researching it and I'm not talking to doctors yet that know a lot of information about it. So I'm doing a lot of this on my own. I think that was the most difficult side of it is trying to find information on the web. Like how do I replace this Otana that I'm on? Okay, let's see what kind of cannabis strain is going to work for that. So, while it was amazing to realize that cannabis would take care of a lot of the, the symptoms, but not take care of them, but lessen a lot of the symptoms I was having to a point that I could tackle some of these other issues and actually achieve some real healing, that was a beautiful thing. But I had to do it alone. And that was what was really frustrating because at the time there wasn't a lot of education about it in Utah either. So um, it was probably more slow than it should have been. But uh, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, considering, again, all those meds I was on, and this was about, like, March of last year, that I really stepped forward and said, I'm going to go off these. So a year's progress. I gave up pretty quick, considering. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think a lot of people um, would be interested to hear how long it takes because, you know, I think a lot of people come in and they want to – you know, they want to stop their narcotics or they want to stop that gabapentin like today. And it's not that, you know, it's just, it's not that easy. Yeah, that was another uh, one. To, yeah. to learn how to dose cannabis and it's not easy. No. To, well, frankly, it's, first, it's not easy to find somebody who knows anything about it. But I think that's becoming easier now. Yeah, and that's the thing. Now that it is a legal thing in Utah and we're going to keep seeing more and more open up, I'm so excited for the people that are coming into it now because they have that education. They can sit down with a pharmacist. I think it's great. It's a, it really is a beautiful thing. Now, was your doctor on board with you using cannabis? I actually, so um, when I started doing it, of course, it was just on my own. Um, when I finally went and got my letter, it had nothing to do with my primary care doctors or any of my other doctors. I went to a QMP that worked out of um, 
I am not going to say their name sure. right. Quintessence or Quinn down in Sandy. <laughs> um, but her name is Mandy Jarvis and she is absolutely wonderful. I got a lot of care just in the office. Now I did have to pay 250 up front to get my letter at that point, but they also spent an enormous amount of time with me sitting down with me and going over different strains and how to educate myself. So that was worth it to me. I kind of wish I would have approached it through my doctor, but I also made that decision to sell my house and kind of jump cities in between all of this. So I was changing primary care doctors and nobody really knew my history. So I felt it was better just to kind of compile all my doctor notes, take it down to a QNP and be like, look, this is what I'm dealing with, you know? I think that's very similar to a lot of people. A lot of people are scared to discuss it with their primary care or, or there's frankly a lot of people who never really have a good relationship anymore yeah. with their primary care provider because that's not the type of culture we have anymore. Uh, it seems like, you know. It, oh, that is so true. It's how many patients sure. you can see in at the quota now. What would you tell like somebody who's, who's looking into uh, maybe using cannabis as medicine? Is there any like a, advice or tips of somebody that's just, that might not even be familiar with it. Do you have any advice for them? Educate yourself, you know, write down, um, that's the biggest tool I can, I can come to is the pros and cons of everything because there are cons to cannabis. People like to say, oh no, there's no problem. There are cons to cannabis. There are some side effects. All in all, when you talk about withdrawal, I mean, for me, that means I get on for a couple of days and it's tolerable. It's nothing like an inner medication, but you do have some things like that. So I would say educate yourself. And then you write down what goals you want to achieve with cannabis. And if you have a lot of them, as I, you know, what I had, um, which is more important to you, what medications do you want to get on first? And set realistic goals and work with the physician. Now that we have that ability here in Utah to be able to do this, to work with your physician and a, a cannabis pharmacist or a QMP directly or whatever, which is what I, I preferred. I preferred going and sitting with my QMP directly um, because they know. They're better educated on it than a lot of these regular primary cares are. If you have that option, you know, go in guns loaded. This is what these are the health problems I'm having. This is what I'd like to see to receive from my treatment with cannabis. You know, and then see where you sit on that scale. Um, I would definitely say to people who have a misconception of cannabis to give it a shot. That's the other thing too, because I've run into both ends of the spectrum. Some people are like, "Oh, that's so cool, good for you," and other people are like, "Ooh." We don't want you living next door to us, you know, kind of that black and white attitude. So, you know, be prepared for that as well, too, as things start to roll out, at least in the state. It's getting better. It is getting a lot better. Talk a little bit about the addiction, you know, treating addiction with cannabis. This is, you know, I don't think we spent much time on this yet, but this, do you think that abstinence is still the first line, should be the first line for people in your, in your situation from before? I absolutely do for most cases. Um, I think that when used in people that have addiction, it should be monitored. I wish that I had done that. Um, things worked out well for me, but I do know people that, you know, they have the all or nothing addictive mentality and they will just go down to smoking too, you know. Um, as far as it is with my addiction, and I think this, this comes true to a lot of people's addiction, and it's maybe something a concept that people don't realize. We are not addicted to the drug. We're addicted to escaping whatever reality we're trying to escape. For me, that was sexual assault. That was physical pain. That was nightmares at night. That was so much anxiety that I couldn't function talking to people. So it was so much easier to be high to be able to do that because then I actually sit in and have fun. But that's exactly different, you know, issues I was dealing with 
are the reasons behind why I use drugs and alcohol. It, it never was like, hey, I think I'm going to stick that needle in my arm and I'm, this is going to be great. This will be a good life. Like, that's not the mentality. You know, it's a cycle that begins because there's something broken. There's some kind of pain or some kind of trauma that you're trying to cover up. The problem is you, you kind of negate and stop any healing. Then you start bringing those substances in. With cannabis, it's different because you can come in, you're still able to work through these things. And I will tell you guys, some of the things that have been so beneficial for me, I get stoned and I meditate. I get into a deep relaxation state. I talk to my higher self and I am able to overcome a lot of things that I don't think I ever would have been able to, trying to lay there and do it stuck in my anxiety and my ability to relax. I do yoga after I smoke. You know, I connect body and mind. And that's a beautiful thing, too. If anybody has the ability to do that, I highly recommend it. You know, there's a lot of these things that I've incorporated my wellness um, with cannabis to make sure that I do have this, this positive healing aspect. And I would say that it's best to approach it like that. Uh, for anybody that has addiction. Now, if your primary addiction was something related to cannabis or cross-feeding, you know, mixing cannabis and alcohol, probably not the best to... Because I do have a good friend who, his life, I mean, he spent so much money on cannabis as his life revolved around it. If you're at that point, you know, you kind of have to be realistic. But I think that the benefits outweigh the risk for the vast majority of people because, again, you can attack some of these things that need to be attacked and you're still able to negate some of the symptoms so that you can do it without being overwhelmed. But it is a play. You do need to have somebody helping you. you yeah. I mean, I think that you've hit that. on the, na- you've hit the nail on the head right there. In my opinion, the, the, the key to using cannabis in an addiction or recovery as a, as an exit drug, I think cannabis in general is a good exit drug. It's not really a gateway drug in my opinion, but um, it, it's much more of an exit drug uh, from prescription medications, but from a, a severe addiction standpoint, having somebody there who's helping, I think is, is probably the key, uh, the key factor. I don't, I don't necessarily think that doing it on your own, uh, without anybody to talk to is, uh, it, it doesn't work as well. No. And I, and I did it that way, unfortunately, I would not recommend it. I really wouldn't. I 100% agree with you on that as far as being an exit drug. Um, you know, for getting off of prescription meds. But for people like me, people whose addiction was passed on prescription meds, because mine may have started there, sure. but they certainly did end there. You know, um, then then that really does complicate things. And so it is it is a, it is a grade. You know, for somebody like me, it was probably maybe somewhat dangerous for me to venture into this uh, by myself. But at the same time, I had no other options, and it did save me. And I do believe it can do that for a lot of people. But I agree with you one hundred percent. You can't just go into this as, oh, it's natural, it'll be fine. It still is a substance that you, you need to make sure that you're handling properly and dosing properly. So I agree with you on that. Um, like, I love hearing this information from QMPs, and I love um, just, the, uh, just the education that's going out right now about this kind of stuff because, you know, for the longest time, even just last year, people looked at me like, God, she's an addict and I'm not going to smoke all this pot like she's just relapsing. It's such an ugly place to be because here I am doing so well and feeling so good about myself and the things I've accomplished. And people that knew my old lifestyle were like, mm, still doing well, the Well, it stuff. sounds to me like you have really, uh, I mean, you've turned 180 degrees and gotten back, gotten really back what you lost 
And I'm just so, uh, I, I'm really excited for you. Definitely. No, it's a, it's a heck of a story. Heck of a story. It is. I feel like I can just talk and talk and talk. I'm so sorry, guys, but I, I really felt like my gift is my voice. And I felt like it was important to share my story because it is a little bit different than the typical cannabis story, you know, with my addiction going as deep as it actually did and taking me to such a dark place and then being able to find my way out with something like this. It's been, it's been so amazing for me. I just want people to know about it, you know. Someone might be out there that is dealing with something similar that can relate and then maybe they go start uh, you know, exploring cannabis as an option for, for medicine for him. See, and I hope so. And even on a, on a deeper level than that, if somebody's listening out of curiosity that attends AA meetings or NA meetings and you have somebody that comes into those rooms that says, I've been clean three months. Oh, but I take medical cannabis. Maybe don't shun them. And I'm not saying that all people at those meetings do, but there is kind of a black and white. So even on that end of the spectrum, it would be nice to see people kind of relax on their views of it in the addiction community as well. Is that, that normal sense. in all addiction communities? Is that just Utah or is that all You know over? what? I've heard it's the same. There's, yeah, I've heard, I've really? heard it's all over. I've heard there's even AA meetings that are pro-cannabis in Colorado and AA that's, that's, uh, you know, abstinence only. But this goes to, this goes to a lot of other things. There are other, there are other drugs, Suboxone and, and things like that, that, that are helpful. and Cannabis can be right, but they carry the stigma, and they and they do help people. So I I appreciate that that's uh that's something you want to say because I think I think that's right. You're not the only person that I know. Um, you know, I certainly have patients that uh, you know need to hear that support because they're going through uh, things that are like this, right? And they yeah, and people just don't want to they want to be included. They do, and I think what kind of turned me off to any meeting. Was late last year, I had started my venture on the on the medical cannabis train, and I sat across from an older gentleman that was talking about his knee replacement surgery. And I mean, that's a big surgery. There's a lot of like a lot of healing required with a complete knee replacement. You know, that's one of those medical surgeries that's kind of hard to do without any type of pain medication if you're going to try to do your physical therapy and stuff. I think, in my opinion, I'm not a I'm not a doctor, but from, from my opinion, that would be a difficult one. And he came in and asked the group, they want to give me such and such pain medication. I would like to try cannabis. What are you guys' thoughts on that? And it really wasn't welcoming for him. I wouldn't say that it was ugly. There was just a lot of people that were like, that's a bad idea. I'm going to start you down the back track. And I'm sitting there thinking, what are you I'm freaking talking about? Better. That's just, that's okay with that. that's just silly. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I stopped looking at this poor guy, and I went up to him after, and I was like, smoke <laughs> right. your pot, dude. Smoke all the pot you want. Avoid being weird. Smoke the pot. <laughs> I know a couple of orthopedists that would disagree with those with that, uh, too. They'd, they'd go the cannabis route as well. It's not the same for pain, I mean, but it does. But it's, it's, uh, it's helpful. It does make you not care as much. <laughs> so what are you doing now? Yeah, and you're, uh, and you're riding your bike 20 miles a day? Yeah, well, in the photo, actually, you guys will be proud of me. I'm actually dealing with quite a bit of arthritis in my hip that I kind of got to raise go. that saddle um, up or, or lower the saddle. So, down. you know, I was doing it's not just a saddle height I, issue. Come on. I, I got the bike because I couldn't do other activities because oh, nice. of the arthritis. The bike has been beautiful. I just bought this old rebuilt off PSL. But I was hiking. Um, you know, there's a fitness center at my apartment with white elliptical. You know, and, and, and back in the day, I used to run marathons and stuff. I don't see myself ever doing that again. But to be able to go on long bike rides again, I could see myself even doing some mountain biking again if I was uh, 
take the proper precautions. <laughs> you know, and that's amazing for me because I love that stuff. That's one of the things I love about the state we live in is we're so close to the mountains, so close to beautiful, you know, water, um, hiking trails, camping trails, whatever. I love the outdoors. And I spent a good 10 years not being able to enjoy them. You know, so this is this is super. I, I you guys will laugh at this maybe. I don't know if you're fans of Rick and Morty, but my bike is green and it's covered in Pickle Rick stickers, and it is called Pickle Rick. So me and Pickle Rick go on bike so rides every day. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and that's my life. And I have I have a relationship with my children again. They had to go live outside of my home during the depths of my addiction, um, and I have that relationship back again. Um, I am the assistant manager of the restaurant that I work for, and I also do security at a concert venue. Cool. And um, it's a good time. I, I tell you what, it's a good time. Life is good. It's, it's all because of, of cannabis. Like, uh, if you could grow any strain in your backyard, what would you grow? <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of up in the air. When we talk about the larger grouping, it has to be hybrid or indica for me because I don't know all of sativa. And I've really been getting into banana kush right now. But I will tell you that I did try a sativa dab and I don't normally do that and that one was lemon haze and it was actually pretty good too so but I would say that wedding cake is probably my all-time favorite hybrid because I have that indica dominance and helps me sleep at night wedding cake wedding cake that is a very very good strain wedding cake and mm-hmm. royal wedding cake both very good I love love wedding cake it is my absolute favorite if I can get it in a cart even I will because that's just so relaxing it's such a nice high such a calming high and it's peaceful. I love it. I really do. Any other questions, Tim, or should we get this no, episode wrap wrapped up? up? I think we, I mean, it's a heck of a story. Thank you again. UtahMarijuana.org is how people can um, find out more about what Tim's got going on and, and how to get your card and uh, any other information you want to give Tim? No, I mean, I that's, think there's a new, new, new uh, pharmacies opening up oh, this week. Yes, Dispensary so, up in Ogden yes, on May 1st. So they're going to try to get May 1st, but I think they might be a little delayed. Perfect Earth uh, has a pharmacy in Logan and they're going to open up a second location in Ogden and that should be in the next uh, week or so we'll definitely have more details any word on who's after that Tim you know what I don't even know I haven't heard of anybody okay. else who's who's close uh, we need okay. to get another one down more south if anybody's yeah. down there yeah. uh, let's get let's get I moving. found uh, I found I don't know the name there's a one going to be opening in Provo I found them on Instagram I forgot the name now but uh, oh, I'll yeah. have to get connected with yeah. them and, and bring them on the next show. week we'll have more info on that Okay. We'll okay. Anything else from you, Desiree? No, no. I just, I guess, I guess, yes, I guess I just encourage people to educate themselves and then reach out if they have questions because it's, it's such, it's, it's such an amazing thing. And I'm so happy to see you talk finally roll out this program. It was so much fun to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for doing yeah, this. Yeah. Thanks, Desiree. You're welcome, guys. I hope it turns out okay. I think it'll be great considering the circumstances, considering this, this COVID uh, crisis going yes. on. So anyway. Right. I will let you go. And on that note, thank you for listening to Utah in the Weeds.